Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. I think it's information overload. There's just so mm-hmm. much out there and finding um, your ability to kind of focus on what's ma- what actually matters, to prioritize is, is such a key skill for emerging leaders to be successful. Information overload is being one of the key challenges for business leaders today. We get so much information from everywhere nowadays. So we have to ensure that we are looking and analyzing the ones that move the dial. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I am Edwin Frondoza. Welcome. How's it going? How are you doing today? Thank you for taking the time to join me. This is episode number 57, and I'm really excited to share the conversation I had with Amy Shaw. Amy, she's the co-founder and CEO of PikaPack, an award-winning edtech platform and online game world that teach social-emotional learning skills like self-regulation, empathy, and teamwork in the the class or or at home. In our conversation, Amy and I talk about how Pikapak can help your child with their emotional intelligence, empathy, and perseverance, what she learned from working at Procter & Gamble, and how it prepared her to know the fundamentals of developing a business. And lastly, how Amy not only finds her mentors, but talking about the challenges of emerging business leaders today. This episode is sponsored by the Change Leadership Conference, an event that helps prepare leaders, change practitioners, and organizations to lead change in the face of AI and robotics. Join me to hear from renowned AI, innovation, and leadership experts and our leading industry panelists in Toronto on May 30th, 2018. Also supporting us today is BizOn, an online marketplace where people can buy, sell, and grow businesses or franchises. Before getting started, thank you for all who have left me comments. This one from BizHost on iTunes. Inspiring discussions, giving great insights into the reality, pros and cons of entrepreneurial life. Thank you, BizHost. If you decide to leave a comment and review the podcast, thank you first off. But I am reading out the latest comment on each episode. Now, here we go. Amy, um, welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. No, this is great. So, Amy, why don't we just start off by introducing yourself, who, who you are, and perhaps what you like to do when you're not growing and leading businesses. Sure. Uh, so, my name is Amy Shaw. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Pika Pack, and I... I'm a Canadian, uh, grew up uh, in Mississauga, but have uh, spent a lot of time abroad. So I love traveling, lived, volunteered, studied in I think about five or six countries abroad in Southeast Asia and also in Europe. Um, love practicing yoga this is a recent thing and uh, photography and have a great, I feel very fortunate, I have a great set of friends. Um, not only here in Toronto, but also internationally, um, as I met through my grad school program. 
And for the listeners out there who may not be from the Toronto area, Mississauga is actually a big city, a big suburb city just west of, of Toronto. And, uh, I am from Mississauga as well, Amy. So that's grown and raised there. So funny to have that connection as well. Small world. <laughs> very small world, very small, but it's a big city. That's the, that's the crazy thing. So outside, outside of Toronto, people would probably say they're from Toronto. Um, but uh, outside of that history and geography session, why don't we uh, just start off? You mentioned you're your co-founder, CEO of Pika Pack. Why don't you let us know about that company and your current roles and perhaps, Amy, what you're trying to accomplish over the next 12 months? Yeah, definitely. So Pika Pack is a uh, award-winning uh, education technology platform helping teach social emotional learning skills. So Think, you know, emotional intelligence, so empathy, uh, perseverance, um, how do you understand and manage your own emotions? These are crucial skills for young children to learn. Um, so think, you know, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, up till nine, um, to be able to be successful in life. And we do that through um, a platform which has curriculum supports for educators, uh, tools for parents at home. We have online learning games. And at the heart of our content and our program is actually our own IP around our own kind of unique set of characters. And um, growing up in the Toronto area, actually diversity was such a big thing. And so we've, you know, kind of nerded out on this, but we developed our own set of characters that reflect the diversity that we grew up with in many ways and uh, the different types of talents and interests in society. And we want children to grow up with literature and, and with learning um, that reflects that um, these modern new kind of uh, role models. And uh, we're doing that right now through our educational learning. But in the future, in the next 12 months, uh, we're pretty excited. We're speaking with publishers and with um, TV broadcasters about bringing these characters in this world that we've created to life in um just like a more consumer media. So pretty, pretty pumped about that and, and the opportunities to be able to bring this message and this type of learning to more children. Well, that's really exciting. I have a 21 month year old daughter and she's really already discovering, I, I guess, some content on the internet. Uh, let's, oh, yeah, let's say, sure. <laughs> let's say telephone, she says, and iPad. So is this programming something that has to go through an education or is it something I could actually download and give it to my daughter and let her use it and, and learn with it as well? So right now, I mean, your daughter is a little young um, for our content right now, but she'll soon get there. Mm -hmm. um, but right now, we are mainly focused on the education side. We do have a lot of um, interested parents who, they can sign up as an educator. There's actually free tools on our site, and they can access um, our storybooks and our lessons and at-home kind of lessons. So parents are welcome to use it. Um, it is geared towards using it into a classroom. So a lot of the instructional kind of uh, guides and, and what we offer are, are meant for that. But uh, we do have a, a number of homeschooling parents and, and parents in general who just love reading the stories and, and, and having the discussions with their children. Well, that's we are, uh, Oh, um, sorry. But I was just saying... Um, so we are developing actual uh, tools for family use. And so one of the main ways is, you know, for children, especially at that age, and I think you can, most most parents can actually resonate with this, is that games are such a great way, or digital games are a great way to get kids really excited about learning. And um, 
we've developed our own game currently in beta, which uh, we pre-sold to educators and 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 mostly in the U.S. right now to uh, help teach these skills and and gather data and insights about how children are learning these different um, areas. And so uh, that will be available um, later this year on the App Store. And so that will be something that parents can start um, uh, getting to help support this type of learning with their children. As you work with educators, are you getting a lot of feedback loops directly from the parents and how it's actually changing and and allowing these children to grow, becoming more empathetic or emotionally uh, stable? Not, not stable, but uh, the emotional intelligence Mm-hmm, yeah. So we work with a ton of educators and we're, we take a lot of pride in terms of researching what we do. So uh, we have a number of districts who um, have agreed to help us not only you know, survey their educators about the impact of the program. So providing us data about how they're seeing their students grow and be able to, you know, communicate better how they're feeling or being more empathetic or respectful to their peers. Um, and looking at that over time. So, you know, if we implement a program, how do we look at this pre, mid, post of a school year and what kind of impact it's having on a child's development? Uh, we also do a ton of interviews. And um, so we'll actually, you know, not only do one-on-ones or focus groups with uh, both educators and parents, but we'll also like to do uh, game testing with children. So they'll kind of inform uh, the product and also kind of give us insights about how they're learning these concepts, whether that game design is actually, you know, helping or, or not um, in that situation. So, for example, this weekend, uh, we're partnering with uh, a local company called Hatch um, Canada that does coding camps. And so uh, we'll have over, you know, two dozen kids come in and actually test our game and inform the design and give us feedback. And we take a lot of, you know, at the end of the day, um, you can have the best kind of educational kind of practice in play, but usability is also a huge kind of aspect of learning. So the experience has to be very positive and fun and engaging for uh, children. And so we, we, we want to make sure that we balance the two and make sure that that is a great learning experience for kids. As I did my research on you, Amy, you know, and I was looking at your career, I mean, you gained extensive marketing experience through roles at, you know, global organizations like Procter and Gamble. Most recently, you're a director of retail marketing at a consumer product startup before you actually jumped in and you did an MBA before starting Peak So with that in mind, can you share with us some of the key turning points that maybe you've encountered or really difficult decisions that you had to make that eventually allowed you to grow as a business leader? Yeah, when I was at P&G, it was a great um, space for me to learn a, a ton. So the way that P&G looks at marketing and, and developing their marketing leaders is that you're you're almost accountable or building your own little mini business. And so I remember my first two businesses, I, I was you know fresh out of school. And I had one that had a you know five million dollar budget, the other one which had a seven million dollar budget. And at the end of the day, I was accountable for all the results. And I felt like, you know, these are my businesses, mm-hmm. and I had to deliver results. And I knew internally, you know, if you didn't deliver results, like you probably have to be on probation. Like it, not that it was like this like cutthroat culture, but you know, they really they were really performance oriented at the end of the day. And I think that really pushed me to think about, you know, how do I deliver 
results on my businesses? How do I think as a business owner, not just as a functional area, but really how do I motivate my whole team? So I had a cross-functional team. How do I ensure that I get to my goals at the end of the day? And how do I, how do I deliver on what I say I'm going to deliver? And I think it, it was very transformative for me to learn about, you know, the fundamentals of uh, developing a business. And obviously it's a bit different. You're in a, you know, a, a big company and you have a lot of money to work with, <laughs> yeah. but, it was, but it was also very formative in that, you know, you had to take a lot of time to understand like the insights that will drive your business. You had to take, you know, a lot of pride in terms of executing, uh, with excellence, uh, everything you did. Um, you had to course correct every so often you had to, uh, work with a ton of different people, like, you know, 20 plus people on a cross-functional team, both in Canada and the U S um, and so you quickly kind of learn, um, and you're immersed in this world and you're surrounded by a ton of great leaders who are really smart and driven also. And so it was this time where I felt like I, I learned a tremendous amount about how do you grow, um, your business and how do you develop those kind of leadership skills, um, uh, really early on. Well, I mean, um, it, I mean, be, you being a founder and me being an entrepreneur as well, it almost sounds like to me that you were really put into a, a nice incubator with a lot of money to to build a p- build a business did that did you find that those experiences really led you to where you are today but i mean you you did jump into doing an mba first so it seems like you took a while to get to be an entrepreneur yeah, so I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. My family, um, growing up, they have a business. They still have that business. It's doing really well. And I think I, growing up with entrepreneurial parents, there's a lot of value in, in terms of like building and owning your own company. Um, while at P&G, I think I learned a lot. And actually, a lot of my peers ended up starting um, their own companies. I think P&G does end up hiring a lot of entrepreneurial, <laughs> passionate people. Mm-hmm which I think uh, you learn a lot in that experience. But eventually I ended up coming to a point where in terms of like turning points, like I, you know, I was, I was selling hair color and, and part of like what they hire are people that really get passionate behind what they do. And I, eventually I kind of started realizing and kind of kind of coming to terms. I was like, you know, I learned a lot, but I'm not passionate about this product. Like right. I want to work on something that I'm super passionate about. And I, I, I took some time off. I actually took a leave and I went to Vietnam and I went to India and I, I volunteered um, with a, a number of uh, social enterprises and I also taught in K-4 classrooms. And I kind of wanted to check in on what I wanted to do. And at that point, I realized I, I really wanted to switch career my career towards being in education and to also start something. And I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but um, it was a good kind of checking point to to do that. I also thought, you know, having an MBA would be an opportunity to take a break and kind of evaluate what I want to do, but also connect with um, folks that were entrepreneurial, that, you know, um, build that credibility, have that international network. And I ended up getting into INSEAD and it's very different from most actually MBA programs. Um, you know, at that point I was like, I don't know if I need this MBA, but I ended up falling in love, uh, with the makeup of the, of the class. And it, it's just such a diverse, uh, group of people from, you know, my class, I think my class profile, there was like 70 different nationalities represented. Um, you know, tons of people from different spaces, like successful entrepreneurs to consultants to marketing people. And, uh, it ended up just 
getting an opportunity to take courses where I remember one of my, my professors actually sold his company for, I think, 150 million euros and then, you know, walked us through his whole experience as a case study in one of the courses. Or there was another professor who um, ended up buying companies and consolidating and then selling them for half a billion dollars. And so all of a sudden you're kind of getting this like firsthand experience from these uh, great folks um, in this network. And it's ended up being like very uh, helpful as I started my own company as, uh, for example, when we went to Silicon Valley, the accelerator program, the partner there who's part of Y Combinator uh, actually went to Laurier as well. So I'd heard him speak at a, 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 sorry, not Laurier, but uh, had attended INSEAD. Laurier is my other program I did uh, for undergrad. Um, and, and so I ended up hearing him speak at INSEAD, at an INSEAD event and ended up, you know, applying for the program and getting in. Um, likewise, I ended up going to my five year reunion for INSEAD and I was on a panel with other entrepreneurs and one of the other entrepreneurs ended up investing in my company. Um, so it's, it's, it's actually, you know, it's been great to be part of that network. Um, I think as we scale even more internationally, um, it'll be also really exciting to tap into that network. So that's why I did the MBA. Hey there, so how are you enjoying this episode? Anything that sticks out or something that Amy said that is relating to you? If so, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, let me know via social media. My social media handle is Dragon Meme, Dragon without the A and O, so D-R-G-N, Meme, or directly via email to edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. If you are enjoying this podcast, please sign up to our monthly newsletter where we share our latest interviews, events, and upcoming guests. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash newsletter. Now let's get back to it. So now that you're building your business here and you're growing, you're scaling, Amy, uh, and you did this MBA a couple years ago, what are you doing now or do you even have time to ensure that you're continually to grow and learn and to develop as a business leader? Good question. Yeah, you know what? It was interesting. When I first started the company and especially because when we first started, we ended up going to Silicon Valley for this accelerator um, and the mentality is really like you pour all your time and everything you do into the company. And especially for an accelerator, you're trying to deliver results mm-hmm. for your pitch demo day when you're in front of investors. And so it almost like sets this new norm that like you're, you're basically on your company and working on your company 24 <laughs> seven. And, you know, eventually you're going to end up burning out and you're not going to be as productive. And I think, I think it took me some, time where I realized eventually that, you know, I do need to take time for myself. I need to, you know, develop my own skills. I, I need to connect with other mentors and founders um, to learn about how I uh, not only grow the company, but develop myself as a better leader. And I think that has um, really helped me kind of reset my uh, expectations around how I spend my time, how I develop myself. And I think I've seen, uh um, much better results, you know, in my capacity as a leader and my ability to help grow my team um, as I've invested more and more time into myself. Did so, so when did when was that breaking point, Amy? In terms of you're like, you know what? Let me take a step back. You know, I need to work on myself. Yeah, I have to say probably it was in 2016. I I literally got to a point where I remember I was driving from a sales call to the next sales call and I looked up and it was it was later at night and I was going in between cities and I looked up at the moon and I was like, wow, I think I see 
like almost double vision. Um, and I must be that tired and that stressed. And I mean, I could still read and, and whatnot, but I remember just thinking, oh, like I'm, I'm really stressed. This is not safe for me. Um, and so I remember like I actually stopped driving after that. Um, I went to an eye doctor oh, man. <laughs> and then I realized, I, I realized I was like, oh, there's probably underlying reasons why I'm feeling the stress. Like I think I'm just doing too much. And, uh, I ended up, you know, taking up, uh, meditation. I started, uh, going to yoga. I started journaling. Like I started doing a lot of things. Like I, I learned from other founders and I started just taking time for myself. I remember one of the things that I did around that time was I joined, um, this, this group is called Founder City Project and it connects you with other founders to have kind of a confidential form to mm-hmm. talk about, um, things that, you know, are, are stressing you or successes and, and all the kind of highs and lows of, of being a leader and starting a company. And, you know, that was, that was like, you know, I remember even the training was a whole day training. I thought, Oh, I can't give up a whole day. Right. And like, I was like, I can't do this. How this is like such a big commitment. And in retrospect, I was like, Oh, that was such a good investment of time. And like having this group I meet with every month for three hours, even that like seemed like too much time. Like now it's like such a great kind of checking point and um, people, and they keep me in track. And they're like, have you put your eye drops in? Have you been taking care of your eyes? But like more so like, you know, how do I make sure that I get gut checks and people that I can learn from. And so these small investments of time in different areas have paid dividends um, and even just helping drive my self-awareness. So I remember, you know, getting stressed a bit more now, like I can sense that in my body. Like the big, I mean, I remember the, uh, the, the biggest thing was I told you earlier, like what we teach young children is, you know, managing and our understanding and managing emotions. And I remember a friend actually called me out and he's like, do you actually practice a lot of these things? And I was like, yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and, and actually challenged me to, to do a better job. And a lot of the things that I mentioned that helped me kind of drive that awareness were things that were teaching and I, I should be practicing. And I think I can speak now even much more from experience how important it is for not only young children to learn these skills, but as adults and parents and, you know, caregivers and, um, and folks in society to be able to like have stronger relationships and, uh, to build teams and to be successful in whatever you're doing. No, for sure. I mean, quick shout out to the Founder City Project. I did have Ben Baldwin on the, on the podcast a couple, uh, a couple episodes ago. So check that out. It's an amazing initiative. And one thing you mentioned, and it's something I've been doing more. So I got back to it as well. Um, is journaling. I do, I do the, um, the morning pages every day. So I, I sort of schedule that in to, to just ensure I get my thoughts to paper and, and get whatever is on my mind. So it's a great, it's, it's very meditative as well. And I'm sure, I'm sure mm-hmm. that's why you do it. So that's awesome. But I want to move forward, Amy. I wanted to know as you're growing and you're building teams, what type of advice would you give someone maybe within your organization or a friend or colleague, um, going into their first leadership position? What would you tell them? Yeah, I, for me, when I first started, and it kind of like speaks to what I mentioned around the Founder City Project, I think having peers who are further along or mentors who have done it and being able to set up like some kind of consistency where, you know, maybe it's once a month or once every two months where you're checking in and kind of like keeping them 
in the loop about your mm-hmm. progress and the highs and lows and being confidential with them to be able to say, okay, I'm struggling with this. You know, are there resources or things or people I can talk to to learn um, uh, learn about this? Uh, I, I think it's it's so helpful. Um, A, just to feel like you're kind of like you have this confidant or someone on your side helping you navigate that new role, but also um, there's so much that you can learn from someone else's experience that, you know, if you are struggling with it and trying to spend hours and hours fixing it, someone else can, you know, may have already experienced it and could help you kind of get perspective or, you know, take a shortcut to solving that problem faster. So I think having that kind of ally, and even when I was at P&G, I remember, um, my ma- my manager, my first manager, ended up getting a new job, and I was like, without a manager, I was directly reporting to the director, and you know there wasn't a lot of time to get coaching and support from her because she had so many um, folks under her. So I ended up just finding someone I really respected in the company who acted as a mentor, and he was you know a year and a half ahead of me um, in the role, and kind of figured out the navig- like how to navigate the ins and outs and you know every question um, he was able to answer in many ways or if he couldn't answer it he directed me to the right people to help me answer that question and so I remember I was like you know if I can meet with you once a month and um, be able to pick your brain and have lunch with you that would be a tremendous help and he ended up doing that with me which was uh, a great way for me to uh, learn a lot quickly um, as I took that role on. No, that's that's a great story, Amy. And for the listeners out there who might be struggling in terms of, you know, f- approaching even that that person within their organization, how did you go about meeting that person initially, or was it someone that you already knew working on a specific project? I mean, that's sort of difficult for a young emerging business leader, whether they're an entrepreneur or even someone starting at a, a global organization like PNG. Like, so how how did you do that? Yeah, I actually, you know, before I decided on um, asking this person to be my mentor, I asked around, like, who would people recommend I kind of turn to or learn from? And his name came up a couple of times. And so when I approached him about it, I, I mentioned that actually. I was like, look, a number of people recommend that I learn from you and like they speak so highly of you and you've done such great work and you're, um, you know, I hear you're a great mentor. Would you mind? I won't take up too much of your time. Um, you know, it'll be a half hour lunch and, um, that kind of thing. And, you know, he was very flattered in many ways that I had done my homework and that I was very, um, you know, persistent and um, uh, particular about what I wanted to get help from from him. And I was mindful of his time because I, I knew he was busy. And so um, I found like, you know, during lunch hours, that kind of thing that made sense. And so because I think I was uh, diligent about, you know, finding out why like he would be a good mentor and then also um, considerate about his time. I think he was very uh, open to the idea that, you know, he would make that time uh, to help me out. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's a question that always comes up in terms of finding mentors or people within their lives. Outside of this, it sounds like this person, you know, they had really a tremendous impact as you early on your career, but can you name anyone else that you came across that really helped you move the needle forward um, someone maybe they're a mentor a coach investor and how how did they how did they do that for you oh uh, yeah I mean actually um, I was mentioning um, 
someone had called me out on the fact that I wasn't practicing. Okay, I like I like this. <laughs> and so it was a friend, uh, actually an old friend. Um, his name is Kanal Gupta. He's the CEO of Polar Mobile or Polar. And he he actually um, did a lot of his own kind of self-awareness and reflection and encouraged me to to kind of like see see beyond kind of like the demands of the company and really develop myself. And I think part of it, it was actually kind of observing him and his practice of how he actually makes a priority to take vacation and to journal and to meditate that, you know, um, seeing that and like seeing other leaders do that too, I think gave me a bit more liberty to say, okay, I, I can be almost, you know, thinking, you know, selfish and spend this time on myself and invest in myself. And this is actually going to help me um, strengthen my leadership and uh, be more focused and um, able to help lead my team. So I think that that's actually been um, really insightful for me to like learn from other folks. Um, I think my mom as well. Mm -hmm. uh, she has her own company. Um, and I think one of the things that um, she does really well is that she just has this amazing passion for what she does and this drive. And um, I think it kind of reminds me every so often to kind of channel that and make sure we're working on things that we're really passionate about and to cut out some of the noise that may come up in terms of the everyday kind of you know, administrative stuff that you have to do when you're running a company. And so uh, I've learned a lot from her. Um, definitely, she's had her company for over 25 years. Is there any or what do you see as the biggest challenges facing emerging leaders today? I think it's information overload. There's just so mm -hmm. much out there. And I think uh, it could actually end up being more distracting than helpful mm -hmm. uh, in many ways. And I think finding um, your ability to kind of focus on what's mat what actually matters, to prioritize, um, is, is such a key skill for emerging leaders to be successful and not get drowned out by everything else that's happening. Um, and so I think... I think that is probably something that we've had to learn as an organization and as leaders. Um, and I can see that, especially as you think about like smartphone overload. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I ended up having to turn off all my notifications um, because they just were end up distracting me in many ways. Uh, like, for example, we manage, you know, I have our Twitter account on there and we have a ton of activity on Twitter sometimes and <laughs> it ends up just like, you know, you know, detracting from actually helping. And so um, I think, you know, may, being able to draw lines about what actually is priority and what, you know, is actually just noise and distraction is um, a big task that I think leaders need to co continually kind of reevaluate and um, make sure that um, they're staying focused on the key uh, tasks at hand. Fun question I like to ask my guests, Amy, on the podcast. Uh, if I were to ask any of your team, your colleagues, peers, even, even I guess your classmates, what's the best leadership quality that Amy possessed? What do you think they would say? Probably passion. Um, I think I have a great ability to get really behind, you know, whatever the task, whatever the um, company I, I invest my time into to really show that vision and to bring everyone on board. And uh, I think this, you know, this is a great skill amongst our our internal team, but also 
in terms of bringing on stakeholders and partners and investors, I think it's a thing that always consistently comes up that, you know, you meet me and you have this like huge smile on my face and like this like glow in my eye, I have this glow in my face and this like um, light in my eyes that I'm just like, here's this this great thing I'm working on. Like, this is the most amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people are like, okay, I want to get behind this because, you know, I believe not only in what you're selling me as a vision, but also you as a leader, because I think you, you really are passionate about this and are going to deliver on it. Moving on, and before we end, Amy, what else? I know you mentioned at the top of the show that there's a couple of things that you're launching, but are there any other special projects, any other initiatives, or maybe, maybe something fun that you are looking forward to and really, really excited about? Yeah, actually, I am. So I love attending uh, debates. And I've attended a couple of debates in Toronto and, and elsewhere in the world. And I actually am working on creating my own debate series, uh, tackling topics that are at the intersection of social issues, technology, and, and how that inf- influences society as a whole. And so looking for definitely people who are interested to collaborate, uh, people who'd like to debate on these topics. And um, we're, we're, we're basically a couple of us are working on it right now for later this year to kind of have our first pilot uh, event. And um, the topics can range from anywhere like how social media is affecting our, you know, democracy and, and elections, I think is very top of mind to, you know, thinking about how uh, online dating has even influenced uh, relationships and the quality of those relationships. So I'm curious to see kind of what people will bring to the table. And part of what I'd like to do with the debate series is not uh, make it purely a passive event, but make it more collaborative. So how do you encourage uh, people to be part of that conversation and the debate as well? That's really exciting. Uh, I'm wondering if it's, uh, have you announced a name of the series? Uh, where are we? And really, you have to let us know so we could share it to our community as well when it launches. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be called It's Debatable. And uh, right now, we don't have anywhere you can sign up. But uh, if anyone's interested, they can email me and I can give you my contact info. But before we end, Amy, any final thoughts, observations, ideally for our listeners looking for some actionable recommendations that you can share to anyone who's looking at, you know, growing as a business leader or starting a company or doing an MBA, uh, who, who's listening today? Yeah, I think, you know, be it an MBA or a company, um, one of the things that I think I've learned looking back and, um, kind of consistent with what I've said today is kind of having that thoughtful intention or that focus about what you want to get out of that experience and how you want to structure that experience. And so in the case of my MBA, it was a 10 month program. It was really quick. And I think I I actually interviewed for the program. And whenever I talk to candidates, I always encourage them, you know, come in with like a, a, like a strong intention about what you want to get out of the program be really focused and, and, you know, don't let things distract you on that uh, focus. Obviously, if that's not, you discover along the way that that's not what you want, that's fine, you know, pivot and change, but, um, don't spread yourself too thin. And I think with the business that becomes even more and more, um, necessary that you need to stay really intentional and focused on the key objectives to prove out your business, to build out your momentum and to achieve your milestones. And so again, I think that, 
uh, intentional focus and and um, drive to 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 keep on that uh, makes all the difference. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing, Amy. So to close, can you tell us where we can find more information about you, Pika Pack, or anything else you'd like to share to us today? Sure. I mean, you can connect with me on Twitter. I am A-M-I-S-H-A-H-D-O-T-C-A. Um, and you can connect, you can learn more about PikaPak at PikaPak.com. It's P-E-E-K-A-P-A-K.com. Um, as well as you can connect with me on my own website. It's Amy Shaw, A-M-I-S-H-A-H.ca. Awesome. And we'll be sure to put those links on the episode website. So thank you again for joining us today, Amy, on the Business Leadership Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. That's it, folks. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast, episode number 57 with Amy Shaw. If you want to learn more about Amy, Pika Pack, or anything that we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 057. This episode was sponsored by the Change Leadership Conference, an event that helps prepare leaders, change practitioners, and organizations to lead change in face of AI and robotics. Join me. I'll be there to hear from renowned AI, innovation, and leadership experts and our leading industry panelists in Toronto on May 30th, 2018. Also supporting us today is BizOn, an online marketplace where people can buy, sell, and grow businesses or franchise. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you again, and Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you.